This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. It is a mailbag edition of the show here as we record on a Wednesday with the Texans finishing up mandatory minicamp. And now we are we are into the uh, the longest part of the calendar with nothing football related, June and July. But there will be plenty of Utopia Football Podcast episodes during that time, we promise you, as we welcome you in. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Mornings on Sports Radio 610, joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer. He is our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, and he is fresh off the practice field as well. John McClain. John, how are we doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Um, so uh, let's we'll get to things that you saw out of practice today in just a second, um, but literally minutes before you and I hit the record button here with our producer, James, um, Adam Schefter reporting that uh, Malik Collins – Texans defensive tackle who was brought in in 2021 originally I believe brought in on a I don't know if he's brought in on a one-year deal or a two-year deal originally but he was originally part of that influx of of uh, veterans to begin the Nick Casario era um, many of whom are gone now but he's going to hang on for at least another two years it looks like he signs a two-year 23 million dollar contract extension with 20 million of that 23 guaranteed what are your thoughts on Malik Collins sticking around for at least a couple more years well you hope that uh, he plays well enough to stick around but contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on because teams cut players all the time with years left James Robinson the running back signed a two-year deal with the Patriots in March and he's already been cut Malik (laughs) the coaches love him remember how much Lovey Smith talked about Malik Collins and what he did uh, when Lovey was defensive coordinator and the head coach. D'Amico Ryans likes him. Jacques Cesare in his second year as a defensive line coach likes him. The problem hadn't been Malik Collins. The problem's been finding a guy to play next to him, but I'm happy for him. He's going to make uh, more than $10 million a year. 
Yeah, well, and I and and like I said, twenty of that's guaranteed. So <laughs> they're going to move on from him anytime soon. That's going to be a big cap hit to do that. Um, he's he, John. He has been one of the more productive, um, you, you know, guy who's flashed. I'll say on defense, even on these bad defenses, Malik Collins. If he could just steer clear of getting fifteen yard penalties, this is a this is a an even greater signing by the Houston Texans. Well, let's be honest. Their run defense has been pathetic since before he got here. It's still pathetic. He's not a pass rusher. So he has played well, according to the coaches. Obviously, Nick Casario thinks he's played well to elevate him, so they're not blaming him for the bad run defense. D'Amico Ryan said, hey, you stop the run. Well, you just have to do it. Well, D'Amico may have to suit up because they have been just dreadful, as you know. So Malik Collins got to continue to play well against the run, and then they have other players who have to improve against the run, or they're going to be just uh, unbelievably bad for a fourth consecutive year. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. I guess I'll steal from the mailbag early here. We'll get to the mailbag questions in a few minutes. We've got a few other topics that we're going to hit as well here on the show before we get to the mailbag. But I'll steal from the mailbag right now, John. I'll be honest. Malik Collins was not an extension I was expecting here leading up to the season. Um, if you, off the top of your head, can you think of any more of these that might be coming with the Texans with some of their veteran guys? If cornerback Steven Nelson starts opposite of uh, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. like he did last year, and we think he will again. He's in the last year of his contract, and he played pretty well. Problem is, I think he's 29. If you're going to extend a guy who's in his late 20s, it better be a two-year deal. That's why it was Malik Collins' contract is good for him and it's good for the Texans. And and when you're getting to be that age with a team that's rebuilding, you know it's going to have to be a short-term deal. And I haven't looked lately to see whose contracts are up or who's going this year. But uh, if they play hard and they practice hard like Malik Collins does, Nelson didn't come in the off-season program. You know, Sheldon Rankin, he didn't come in the lost season program, which was preposterous. He's a new guy. He's approaching 30. He's not as good as he was early in his career. He's got a new team, new head coach, a new coordinator, a defensive line coach he doesn't know, and he doesn't show up till the mandatory minicamp. It wouldn't surprise me if another tackle doesn't emerge if Rankins is out on the street in that last group of cuts, but unless he tears it up at training camp in preseason. Wow. Okay. I mean, that was a $10 million deal. I don't know how much of the deal was guaranteed, um, but you think it's, you think it's that big a deal that he didn't show up for the voluntary portion of, uh, of preseason, huh? It's never a big deal to the coaches. It's not mandatory. It's voluntary. They don't need to be here if they don't want to be here. That's what the coaches say. But I think, yes, you got a guy like Malik who's busting his butt every day and then you got Sheldon Rankins you don't know where he is I'm guessing he's in shape he's out there now sweating like everybody else <laughs> the last two days but it's not a good look mm. you know in baseball tie goes to the runner in football tie goes to the guy that's been showing up yeah um I guess the only other contract extension off the top of my head I could think of would be Titus Howard is the one probably a lot of people have their eye on if you had to handicap that one do you think Titus gets an extension before the season starts It's going to be really hard to pay two offensive tackles. And Laramie Tunzel's highest paid lineman in NFL history. And then you got Titus. I think Titus is on the wrong team unless he takes like a two or three-year deal 
You know, he's still going into, what is this, his fifth 19, he was a rookie. So Titus has been a good soldier too. He's a starter, but it just depends on the money. He's going to have to sign one of those deals that people consider team friendly. Yeah, uh, maybe so. He really likes it here, so we'll see. But it's a big year for Titus Howard. All right, so there you go. The big news with the Texans, or the breaking news at least, is uh, as we record, is that Malik Collins, defensive tackle, has signed a two-year, $23 million extension with the Texans, $20 million guaranteed. Adam Schefter of ESPN.com, the first with that. John, you just got off the practice field out there, uh, out at uh, mandatory minicamp. Uh, so this will be the last time we interact with the Texans uh, until training camp comes July the 25th. So we're about five, five, six weeks away thereabouts from uh, training camp. What, what were your, uh, I guess, final observations here on this, uh, not just today's mini camp, but this, this early preseason portion of the Texans calendar? Well, I want to point out on sportsradio610.com, I have a column on the grades for the offseason programs for C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr., their top two picks. I gave them A's. I'm very lenient. Uh, that's on the website. And Stroud threw an interception day. Then he came back through a touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, D'Amico Ryans was asked about his resolve. I asked D'Amico, what, do, what are you looking for him when he comes back from camp and what does he have to do to impress you enough to be named the starter? And then he started talking about players at every position. It's so interesting. D'Amico will praise the heck out of Will Anderson, but be very, very careful with C.J. Stroud. And I guess it's because they don't want to place any more pressure under Stroud than he's under. Also, I was watching Laramie Tunsil. It amazes me. You know, he misses his entire offseason program, comes in for the minicamp, doesn't skip a beat. You know, he's not sucking eggs over on the side. So he's been working out like crazy, and that's good because he's our best player. He knows he can come in, step right in at left tackle, and start and play great as a pass protector. Yeah. So I was watching some of those guys. or players like Kenyon Green wasn't out, running with the ones Michael Dieter, who's a tackle and guard. So he was first team at left guard next to Laramie Tunsil. And then they okay. still have Quisenberry at center, and, of course, Shaq Mason and Titus Howard on right tackle. But the, the, the most important position group for this team besides quarterbacks is the offensive line. Because mm-hmm. if the offensive line isn't better with its fourth coach in four years, then they're just spinning their wheels with a rookie quarterback. It has to show significant improvement, Sean. John, uh, I agree with everything you just said about the offensive line. Um, it's it's where they've invested the most in terms of draft capital, uh, in terms of money, as you pointed out with Laramie Tunsil, and it can be the best friend to a rookie quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback who doesn't have a ton of game breakers at, at the skill positions at least. I mean, there's, they solidified it somewhat. But I think if you look at their group of skill guys compared to those around the league, the Texans are definitely in the lower half of that if you take all the skill positions and, and, and add them together. I guess the other thing that I saw people marveling at, I wasn't able to be out there, obviously, because I was on the air, but you were out there. Um, it seems like at least physically there's been somewhat of a transformation with Derek Stingley Jr. in the offseason. Is that accurate to say? He looks hey. Apparently he looks great. He, well, he looks great. He looked great last year, but he spent so much time – out at this time, recovering from a foot injury. They babied him to start a camp. He made a great play on a deep ball today. Man coverage down the right sideline. He looks stocky. Yeah, He looks like that he's ready to stop the run. You know, he's a lot stockier than Jalen Petrie. 
mm-hmm. even though they're wet. And, and I've asked them, please give us accurate weights when training camp starts because they still got the weights from college. And I want to know when guys have hit the weight program, what do they weigh? Yeah. They work their butts off. Let's see how much, how many pounds they've gained on the weight program. And Stingley, you can tell has spent a lot of time working in that weight room, and that's good because he's going to get to play for the reason he was drafted, which is to cover receivers one-on-one. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, John, let's shift gears. Um, You were also on the Zoom call yesterday with uh, J.J. Watt, as we talked about on the previous episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. We appreciate everybody clicking that subscribe button. Uh, downloading the Odyssey app. If you've not, if you have the Odyssey app, that can certainly be your avenue to get this podcast. Easy to search on it and make sure that you get it each and every day uh, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, Apple, whatever it is, we, uh, we're there for you. Um, really cool, I thought, John, to see. Uh, this whole thing's been cool, I think, this week with J.J. Watt, uh, watching him uh, kind of reconnect with the team, reconnect with the city. He's at a, another city, the team that he's been playing for the last couple of years. So I don't blame JJ that it's felt like there's been a disconnect. But I do think that even at the end when he was still here, it felt like this whole franchise had a big disconnect going with Jack Easterby in the building. Um, this has been, I mean, maybe for Texans, maybe healing is too strong a word because I don't think the relationship with JJ Watt was ever broken. But I just think it's cool to see JJ tweeting out himself in Texans gear again. That is a fan. I think that's really cool. That moves me as a fan. I believe this was always going to be the situation because, you know, he was busy trying to prove himself in another city. This was the first time we got to talk to him since he uh, got his release from the McNair family and signed with Arizona. And there were a lot of things asked of him that was very, very interesting. Matt Burke, the new defensive coordinator, was his line coach last year. I asked him about Matt, and, of course, he thinks Matt's great. Watt said he'd be coming over here. Soccer team he owns a piece of as I think it's a coach who wants to come over and sit in on some Texans meetings, and he asked Matt Burke if he could do it. He said, sure. So he's going to be around. It's not just going to be a one-shot deal for when they put him in the ring of honor. And uh, he was terrific. I think he won't admit this, but he said the first year of retirement, he doesn't want to work full time. It's all about his family. Mm -hmm. But he's going to have an announcement soon about something he's going to be doing part time. It's got to be TV. You know, the networks, I'll guarantee you, they were lined up to try to get him. I'm guessing we're going to see J.J. in some studio role for the NFL. Some people ask about college. Yeah, he's not familiar enough with college, but he is the NFL. And so I think it'll be great to see him there and then to see what he does afterward. You know, he said if he could make a difference uh, being part of an ownership group, he'd be interested in that and don't know if he would ever be part of one. He certainly couldn't put anywhere near the kind of money in it would take. But like Tom Brady, he's putting in some money with the Raiders. Never know. Maybe J.J. will be a minor partner in the Texans. But it was great to have him on again. He was outstanding. And when I was listening to him, I'm thinking, I'll bet you that the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, and the mayor of, Nick's mayor of Houston after Sylvester 
Turner, they're so glad J.J. Watt doesn't want to go into politics in Texas. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, he, he's. Uh... Sean, one of the things, and this is his popularity. Yeah. And I watched all those hard knocks in season because I want to see him and DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So I got to see a lot of Matt Burke. But the last game, they were on the road at Santa Clara, 49ers, sellout crowd. And at the end of the game, when he came off the field and the fans stood and gave him a standing ovation, it wasn't just for a minute or two, and they started chanting his name, J.J. Watt. This is in the ops. He'd been in that division two years. And uh, D'Amico's on the other sideline, and the coaches over there, including D'Amico, they're clapping for him. It was just an unbelievable thing, and I asked him about it, and he said he'll never experience anything like that again because it's the end of his playing career. But I'll guarantee you, when his name goes up in the rafters in the ring of honor, it's going to be real close. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be something else. October the 1st, week four, and I guess uh, Cal and Hannah revealed that it was J.J. that picked that date. Uh, of October, tough I mean, yeah, tough date to pick, right? Yeah, right. No, logically, show you. I mean, you, you and I, the day the schedule came out. Uh, well, actually, you and I were calling the Pittsburgh thing back when JJ retired. I think is when we were calling it because we we knew who the opponents were going to be this year. We just didn't know when they'd be playing. But Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Arizona, both as home games. I think it was. You could give me those two, and I, I'll give you the other seven home games, and I'll feel pretty good that I was going to get that one right with either his uh, brother's team or the team he just finished up playing for. So should be a lot of fun. Should be a packed stadium one way or the other, right? Steeler fans travel. And I'd imagine Steeler fans have the same level of respect for J.J. Watt that those Niner fans do. You just hope that uh, Texans fans don't sell their seats to Steelers fans because they travel great and have so many in the Houston area. And even if they are Steeler fans, I guarantee you they'll be standing and clapping for J.J. Watt. For sure. I I mean, I really think this ceremony is – invasion proof i'll call it you know <laughs> right I mean, you know i think steeler fans if you're going to ask for an opposing fan base honestly if you could pick one opposing fan base to that has to be a big part attendance wise of a jj watt ceremony i think the steelers fan base is probably given tj being on their team and given just i think the <clears throat> perception of steeler fans being respectful football fans that respect the history of the game i think uh I think Steeler fans would be at the top of that draft. A lot of those Steeler fans were fans of the Steelers when they played at AFC Central. Yeah. And had that told they a lot of the former Steelers at the Hall of Fame have told me it wasn't the Raiders that was their biggest rival. It wasn't the Raiders that was the most physical. The Oilers were the biggest rivals, and the Oilers games were the most physical. So a lot of those fans respected the Oilers. And uh, so I think that'll make it. And he, there couldn't be a better fan base to be here for that, including the Titans. Yeah. It would be better for the Steelers. It's all working out perfectly. And the fact it's early in the season means the Texans might look decent. Yeah. They might be two and one going into that game, something wow. like that. You, you don't, you wow. don't know, right? I mean, two of the games are Indianapolis and Jacksonville. I mean, that's, you know, I know Jacksonville is going to be better this year, but I'm not, not ready to crown them. The opening game at Baltimore, well, I'll save that because we got a mailbag question that might. We might end up talking about that game. All right, before we get to the mailbag, John, just a quick spin around the NFL. And it's interesting. This morning, just in looking at headlines in the NFL, it feels like there's big names, as there are every year. But this NFL contract drama going on right now, and I'm going to throw Stefan Diggs into this stew as well. I don't think it's contract drama with him. He just signed an extension last year, and he was back at practice today. 
But there's something going on with Stefan Diggs, so much so that Sh- uh, Sean McDermott, the, the head coach in Buffalo, said he was very concerned that Diggs missed practice on Tuesday. He sat out. He was in the building and then just left, didn't go to practice. And then Josh Allen was kind of taking some of the blame for that yesterday, too. So there's something going on in Buffalo. I've got four names, John, that have some sort of drama going on right now. And I just want you to tell me, rapid fire these and tell me how you think these these end up between now and, say, the start of the season. Stefan Diggs and whatever is going on in Buffalo right now. Diva, he'll be right there. Okay. Somehow his ego will be soothed. He signed a three-year extension for $99 million. It can't be money, can it? No. Well, it, I mean, it could be, but it would be stupid if it was money. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, another wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, is reportedly working on a deal that could make him the highest-paid non-quarterback in football. How do you think this plays out over the next few weeks? I think he's going to get a contract that uh, that he likes that will make him certainly the highest-paid receiver uh, and maybe non-player, non-quarterback, because he's been fantastic. It still blows me away that Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase and he had Justin Jefferson. One reason they went 15-0 and and Burrow threw 60 touchdown passes. Yeah. But I don't know if there's ever been a better threesome in college football, but he's going to be worth every penny he gets. And they're all at the tippy top of their respective positions now in, in the NFL too. So there's no, there's no one was leeching off the other. They all fed off each other, and that's translated to the NFL. Um, that's LSU for you, man, talent-wise. Chris Jones is not at mandatory minicamp in Kansas City, John, the all-pro defensive tackle for the Chiefs, who it sounds like uh, he's looking at the defensive tackle market. He's got on that money. How does this play out? Chris Jones is their best defensive player. He's a good soldier. And the Chiefs don't seem to have contract problems. You know, they've been working on a new deal that they gave a 10-year deal. Patrick Mahomes, he's the best quarterback in the league. He's one of the best in history. They got to be careful. You can't take care of somebody else at the expense of Mahomes, but they'll they'll get it done. You know, he'll probably show up at the start of regular season when the game checks come if he doesn't get the extension. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's he's a really good player. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kansas City's at that stage, Don. You win Super Bowls and you got a quarterback that's highly paid, and, and Mahomes is what is he ninth on the quarterback list right now? Like I, they, I almost feel like they got to make that right with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes doesn't seem like a guy who's going to raise a stink. He seems like a guy who legitimately loves just just loves playing football. You know, like there's there's nothing businessy about Patrick Mahomes. He's like a big kid who is who happens to be the best football player walking the planet. But they got to make that right with Mahomes, don't you think? Yeah, and he signed a ten year deal though because he wanted to look at the big number. But no telling what State Farm's paying him. That contract yeah, that's has to go up every year. Plus, he's got a lot of other endorsements. Yeah. But he deserves to be the highest paid player in the NFL. I like Patrick Mahomes better in, on commercials than I thought I would. I thought I'd get distracted by his Kermit the Frog voice. But he's funny, especially on the ones where he's dropping the bath bombs in the in the cold tub there. That's pretty good stuff. Um, last one, Saquon Barkley in New York. Uh, franchise tag has not signed the tender. Therefore, he is not uh, at mandatory minicamp. Well, it's not mandatory for him. He hasn't signed his franchise tender. We've been through this with Jadeveon Clowney a few years ago, John, where uh, he, he doesn't sign the tender. The date in July, which this year is July 17th, which is the deadline for a long-term deal, comes and goes. Saquon's been referring to July quite a bit anytime he's asked about this. Uh, this is the most interesting one of these four that we're naming here, the Saquon Barkley situation. Saquon Barkley's going to get more money, but it's not going to be what he wants because he's a running back. They can franchise him two times for sure. One time they might do it a third year because of a running back, still not very expensive. 
So he and Josh Jacobs could have just got to bite the bullet and take their measly 10 million. And if they have a chance to get a lot more guaranteed in a new deal that's shorter, they should take it because running backs are not long for the NFL world anymore when it comes to career longevity. No, it's funny, John. I was reading an article about an interview that Najee Harris did with it. I think the Pittsburgh ESPN.com beat writer there, whatever their name is. And, um, and he was, aghast at just what he's seeing going on in the running back market right now. Like, oh, can't they cut Dalvin Cook? And they're not paying Saquon Barkley. And I'm like, dude, what planet have you been on? This is what it's been like for the last, really, honestly, since the CBA, like in 2011 or 2012, ever since there was a rookie pay scale, uh, the running back position is the one position where teams have viewed the, the young running backs as being disposable and replaceable. And I felt like saying, Najee, not only do you need to get ready for this, but the one year long holdout, was the running back on the team you play for and the Steelers didn't flinch on that. And they ended up being the beneficiaries of just letting Le'Veon Bell go do his thing. And it ruined his career and he admits it's a mistake. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else about uh, other teams. They love the fact that Dalvin Cook got hurt because that shows their running back. Hey, you better be careful. We'll cut you uh, during the offseason program with no money's left for teams. And you won't have a lot of options. That's why I'm for players getting every penny they get. And I don't know why fans get mad at players' contracts because they can get cut anytime. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially running backs and the punishment they take, uh, you know, and relative to other guys. Punishment ratio, you know, punishment to pay ratio and add performance in there. You know, punishment, pain, performance, the three Ps, it just doesn't it doesn't add up with the uh, – it doesn't add up with the, the running back position. All right, John, you ready for some mailbag questions here? From the I'm people? ready. All right, mailbag at gmail.com, mailbag at gmail.com if you want to send us in some questions. Um, and I would say this, too, the part of the calendar we're heading into, um, there's going to be an opportunity here for us to kind of veer off in some other directions with the mailbag other than just Texans because we're kind of heading into the, the dead period for the football calendar. So uh, we take we do take baseball questions on here, Astro questions as well. Um, we'll start with J.R. Cortez, who has one of each, John. He's got a Texan and an Astros question. Um, this goes back to you and I talking earlier about those first three games of the year. Um, I'm maybe foreshadowing my answer to this. What game for the Texans this season would be your biggest surprise if the Texans were to pull, pull off a victory? Um. Well, I would certainly be surprised if they won that first game at Baltimore. That's mine. But if you're looking at the rest of the season, I would say Aaron Rod. No, I would say Cincinnati because yeah. I think the Bengals are a legitimate Super Bowl team, even more so than Baltimore. And maybe the Jets are. I'm not so sold on them being a Super Bowl contender right now, but we know the Bengals are. If they won in Cincinnati, to me, that would be the biggest surprise upset. Okay. Yeah. Mine would be Baltimore just because that could be CJ Stroud's first start as a, as a, as an NFL quarterback in a hostile environment. Um, that that's one I could see going side, but they're both hard they're, I mean, they're, they're both totally valid answers, Cincinnati or Baltimore. And I think the jets, those are, I think those by the odds makers, those are their hardest three games. They're eight, nine, nine and a half point underdogs in those games. I would go with Baltimore just based on it being the debut for C.J. Stroud, unless there's an ambush element that Bobby Slowick's got ready, that they haven't seen any film yet on Stroud as an NFL quarterback or any film on this offense, but that's going to be – both of those games are going to be uphill battles. The other uh, question Jr. has, John, uh, what are the chances the Astros will be able to sign Kyle Tucker to a long-term contract? Based on Jim Crane's philosophy of not signing those eight, nine-year, ten-year deals like other teams are doing, they're not going to sign him. 
you know, they, they, for whatever reason, made him go to arbitration. They could have given him another two and a half million, signed him for this year. He sat in on the arbitration. I was at spring training when he showed up and he said he wasn't bitter, but you could tell he was bitter. To me, you've got to take care of Kyle Tucker, but he's not going to sign a team-friendly contract like Jordan Alvarez, uh, Alex Bregman, and Jose Altuve. They did. Tucker knows he sees the market. He knows his value. I would hate to see him leave, but if I had to make a prediction now, I'd say he's gone, but it's going to be another three seasons, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I've, I've For the last year or so, I've put him in that Springer-Correa category of guys. Yeah, you know what? Homegrown, great players. Um, they'll find the next right fielder in the draft at some point and hope that they're the next Kyle Tucker. I will say this about Tucker's season so far. If you're – angling to try to get a 10 or 12 year deal this is not the season to have that he's been having so far he's not been bad but he's not been great he's been for him kind of just average at the plate I guess and and defensively he's not been good this year John he's not been good out in the outfield he was a gold glover last year he's been far from that this year that's the biggest surprise and nobody has an explanation for it. I thought without the shift he was going to benefit big time yeah. and his average would skyrocket but it hasn't. No, nor has Jordan's. I mean, I know Jordan's out right now. Jordan's average is fine. I mean, it's in, with Jordan, it's more about the OPS and the slugging and the timeliness of his hits. He's as good a clutch hitter as I've ever seen. Um, but even Jordan, like, you know, remember last year, I mean, you and I were talking about stats like they calculated if there were no shifts. Like Jordan, instead of hitting 302 or whatever, he hit would have hit 335. And that has not panned out that way this year for them so far. Tucker. Alvarez, Bregman, Altuve, those four have to be playing very well at the plate and in the field because they're the stars. Yep. You know, if you got all these injuries like they do, the pitching staff, and you've got to be able to have your top guys come through, including like Hunter Brown did on uh, Tuesday night against Washington. You need Fromber and Christian Javier to be like Hunter Brown. They, need, they don't have to be great, but they can't be mediocre like they were in the last start. No, no. And, and the offense largely this year has been uh, has been mediocre, other than Jordan Alvarez, who may be out for a while now. And Mauricio Dubon. And Dubon, yes. Dubon, yes, let's give Dubon his propers. Um, Doug C. Uh, asks um, – says Jacksonville just unveiled plans for their new stadium last week, and it looks incredible. Once Tennessee builds their stadium, and assuming that Jacksonville gets all the funding for theirs, the Texans will have the oldest stadium in the AFC South. John, what do you think the future holds for NRG Stadium, and how does the Astrodome play into plans for that area of town? Yeah, Astrodome doesn't play into it at all. The stadium's 22 years old. It needs renovations, there's no doubt. And they've got a plan they're working on to uh, renovate it. They don't want to move. They want to stay right there. It's centrally located for everybody. And so uh, they've, they've got it. At some point, they're going to have to do it. It's not going to be cheap. But fans think stadiums going to last forever. Unfortunately, they don't. John, what do you think uh... – as far as I mean, I know you you're in the press box most of the time. You're not, you know, making the rounds at the stadium. And I know you don't you don't sit in the stands. You sit in the press box at these games. But from people you talk to or just observing from afar, um, do you think the stadium just needs like, you know, routine maintenance? I'll call it, you know, where it just needs it, it needs a fresh coat of paint kind of thing. Or do you think that there's things that you've seen at other stadiums or things that you've heard people say we really need X, Y, Z at NRG Stadium? Like how big a facelift do you think it needs? Oh, I think it's going to cost, I'm guessing, over $100 million. Mm-hmm. They need – I've been in other stadiums, 
just two or three I've seen the suites. My goodness, there's no comparison because NRG was completed in, uh, let's see, 2002. Yeah. And, uh, and it was great at the time. But now all these other stadiums, I went to the uh, college football championship game mm-hmm. and I was in a suite there that Mattress Mac had bought. And I couldn't believe it because I it was just it was so big and it was incredible. And I don't think they're going to do that here because they're not going to spend four billion dollars. Yeah. But they de- do need to have upgrades. And it's just your average maintenance that need, they keep it up all the time. Yeah. It's still a great stadium. And I think one of the first things they need to do is make those those suites. Uh, they all need to be, you know, have they need to be. Uh, renovated all yeah. the suites yeah and they need a swimming pool like jackson and the press box yeah. needs bigger tvs <laughs> yes and and uh and and servants feeding us grapes up there as well <laughs> and and fanning us with palm fronds up in the uh up in the press box I, I keep putting that in the suggestion box and it never happens every year i look for palm fronds up in the press box it never happens um all right um let's see uh jim uh asked this hey guys with all the talk of the ring of honor is Matt Schaub worthy of the Ring of Honor? His prime years were great, and he still has franchise records. Take away the pick six season. You can't do that, Jim. It, 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 it happened. Um, and fa- Is that a buzzsaw? That is my dryer going off because Carol's washing a drying clothes. Oh, okay. Gotcha, Sorry John. about that. That's okay. I just didn't know what – Matt kind of Schaub, heavy- move on. I, I didn't know what kind of heavy machine – Somebody asked that question. Somebody asked that question, John. Yeah. Um. Are you, you've mentioned Jonathan Joseph's name. Like we've talked about, we talked about it on Payne and Pendergast today, but like the line, if you were the head of the ring of honor committee, the same way that you're part of the hall of fame committee, they, they put John McClain in charge of the uh, ring of honor. What is your line for a player uh, in the ring of honor? You know, as far as accolades goes. Well, first you have to decide, are they going to have to be guys like Andre Johnson and JJ Wad, who were not just, among the best on the team, among the greatest in NFL history. Yeah. If you do that, there's only one guy going up, and that would be DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. You know, maybe in 20 years, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, Jr., but right now that'd be it. And I don't know exactly what the criteria is. And I know Jay Joe came here, and when he came here as a free agent from Cincinnati, it coincided, helped turn around the team, go to the playoffs, win playoffs. He was a really good cornerback. He was a great guy off the field for the organization, but he's not in a class with the other two. So I haven't talked to the McNair family. They may want to keep it like J.J. and Andre Johnson. If that's Mm -hmm. the case, the next one will be DeAndre Hopkins, unless it's Bill O'Brien. I'll tell you who I really, really would like to see up there is Gary Kubiak. I think Gary Kubiak, who won their first two division titles, first two playoff games, turned around the worst franchise in the league, was a class act all the way, and is from Houston and has so many Super Bowl rings as an assistant coach and now as a head coach. I think I don't know how anybody could complain about putting Gary Kubiak in the ring of honor. I wouldn't complain about anybody, honestly. Like I would have my criteria, which for players would be similar to yours, like a pretty high bar. But if they wanted to go put Arian Foster or uh, or uh, Jonathan Joseph, you know, or Chris Myers, Owen, Day, they, they're all good guys. Like it's the Ring of Honor. We're not curing cancer or anything like that. Um, so if they want to, and to me, and so people go, well, why would you care about any of the accolades? Well, because this is a Ring of Honor for a stadium, like Hall of Fame. I do think, like that's big picture, 
global sport kind of thing, like the stuff that you and the Hall of Fame committee decide, John, like I, I do think, and, and I know you take it and your colleagues take it incredibly seriously. The Ring of Honor is just on a, like a level lower than that to me. If they want to put him in and have a great ceremony on a Sunday to celebrate guys that made three Pro Bowls but never got in the Hall of Fame conversation, knock yourself out. I guess the one thing I'd say about Kubiak, and I hate these arguments because Kubiak, there's not a better human being than Gary Kubiak, so I feel like a jerk saying, no, don't put him up there. But I, if we're going to use that criteria for players, and I like your argument, you know, just the, the the overall resume with Gary and maybe the given that it's an expansion franchise, the historical significance of him being the first good coach of good teams of this franchise, then yeah, maybe so. I just don't like that's um, – I feel like if we're going to use the, the the high achieving criteria as a Texan, as a Texan, not as an assistant or as a Bronco head coach, then I got to apply it to Gary Kubiak. Sorry, Gary, if you're listening, I got to apply it to Gary Kubiak. As well. I'm going to tweet that as soon as we get off. Gary Kubiak got to be the next person in the ring of iron. Oh, do it. Yeah, John, that'll get people going. I tell you, we uh, the station tweeted out a link to a segment Seth and I did the other day when they announced JJ, we said, okay, well, who's next? Who's the next one? And they tweeted out our segment on it um, with that question in the tweet. So it just turned into a bunch of people replying. It turned into a quasi Twitter poll with a bunch of people replying. I'll tell you what the two most popular answers were. Um, Arian Foster far and away had the most support of anybody uh, among former Texan player, former or current or still active on other team Texan players. Arian Foster, he had more votes than everybody else that got votes combined, and there were probably 50 or 60 replies. So Arian has the most support, it seems like, among that sample of the fan base. I'll tell you what was second? Nobody. Right now, they're, they're, so number two on the list was there is not a person playing right now or retired right now that deserves to be in the room. DeAndre Hopkins. I can't believe they wouldn't put Hopkins in. There were a lot of people said nobody. There were a lot of people that said nobody. I'm with you on Hopkins. Hopkins was making a run at Andre Johnson's numbers as a Texan before they traded him to Arizona. That's that's among many things that makes me mad about them trading DeAndre Hopkins. The return on the trade obviously is the big thing. Um, But I was – it made me sad that we didn't get to see Hopkins' prime continue through as a Texan. He's probably – getting to the very end of his prime, if not a little past it right now. Um, because Andre Johnson stayed a Texan his whole his whole prime plus one season where he started to kind of take a step back. Um, it, it kind of eliminated some really fun comparisons of those two as the greatest two Texan wide receivers of all time. And then Matt Schaub. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's what got us on this tangent, Matt Schaub. All right, a uh, couple quick ones here, John, from Joe Q, who is a frequent emailer to – the uh, Utopia podcast, and he's emailed a bunch of questions. I'm going to cherry pick a couple quick ones here. Um, he says, um, can we get a quick free agency tutorial? Why is it the big stars like Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins are coming on the market following the draft? Because uh, if you cut them after June 1st or designate them as a June 1st cap casualty, you don't have to take all of the salary cap hit after you're out of one year. Yeah, And plus the fact that in the case of Cook, they wanted him to take less money. So they waited until they were convinced he wouldn't do it. And, you know, they have less options at this time of year. But Hop, there was speculation on him oh, yeah. uh, a month ago oh, yeah. that he was going to be gone because if you're 30 on that roster, you're an endangered species. Yeah. Um, they. I don't know what Hopkins is looking for in a contract. And, and then Hopkins got let go because they couldn't find a trade partner that he yeah. was willing to work his deal around with. He 
he DeAndre wanted to be a free agent, I think, and pick where he wanted to go is the sense that I get. Um, John, I don't know if you knew this since since 2017, the most money that any free agent has made that has signed after June 1st is Dwayne Brown, his two-year, $20 million deal with the Jets a couple of years ago. Well, uh, maybe Hopkins may have to take a one-year deal and show people he's all the way back. Yeah. That, one year for $10 million. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of money available to guys. It all gets spent the first or the last two weeks of March, first two weeks of free agency. Last one, this is also from Joe Q. Is there any scenario where the Texans add an impact player via free agency between now and the season? Not an impact player. If you're an impact player, you wouldn't be available. That's Just right. Like, Right now, Hop is bad, has had problems for two years. You don't know. The Vikings are not stupid. They must think that they're getting rid of Dalvin Cook a year early instead of waiting a year late. So it's it's hard to add somebody. Now, there's players out there. There's pass rushers out there that don't play the run. So I don't expect Nick Casario to sit on his hands between now and the start of training camp. No, I would. the biggest names out there right now are guys like, with. I mean, Cook and Hopkins, obviously. Yannick Ngakwe is still out there. You know, guy, you're right. Like guys who are kind of one-trick ponies, specialists, you know, who may be able to fill a very specific need for a team. Um, John, before we get out, are you like me kind of watching New England fit metaphorically right now for white smoke to see uh, – to see uh, if what's going on with the Hopkins, either white smoke that he's signing there or white smoke that's coming out of Bill O'Brien's ears that Hopkins might be signing there. Well, the media up there is all fired up about Hopkins getting signed. Mm. And if he does go there, knowing how O'Brien and Hopkins felt about each other, it shows money and time can heal all wounds. And, uh, but there's people also, they're saying, is he using the Patriots? to get more money from the Titans or somebody else. And if he signs with New England, I'll be stunned. And everything I used to hear off the record would not be, you know, would not be an issue anymore. And wherever he goes, I hope he's happy because he's a hell receiver. And in the little time that he was healthy after his suspension last year, before he got hurt and Kyler Murray got hurt, he led the NFL in receptions. Mm, yep, he did. The, the, the per game numbers for DeAndre were still very, very good. It's just – the number of games wasn't all that great the last couple of years. That's all. He had uh, one great year in Arizona, and then he, he said issues the last two. Yep, he sure has. Uh, all right, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? I've got sportsradio610.com. I have a column on uh, the offseason programs for C.J. Stroud and Anderson. I gave both of them an A, and uh, I think I'm going to do my next one will be 10 things we learned about the – Texans in the off-season program. Then in a couple of weeks, I'll do 10 things we need to learn about the Texans in training camp. Do you feel like you're getting soft giving out all these A's to these young guys, John? That's not the John McClain report card guy that I know. Hey, wait till the season starts. We'll see. They'll learn <laughs> yeah. how I can really great. I was going to say, get that arm warming up, John, that report card arm warming up in the bullpen. I'm, I'm ready for some F-minus-minuses for some guys. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud made it through the guillotine that is John McClain, the report card generator. That's good. So you're legitimately impressed with both guys during this Absolutely. part of the Absolutely. Good. That's great. Okay. So hopefully they got those right. Two of the biggest picks in the history of the franchise. So um, – we, uh, we will continue that podcast for you uh, throughout the summer, a couple episodes a week. Um, so be on the lookout next week. We'll have two more for you. Uh, H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com uh, is where you can send those questions. John, I appreciate the time as always. I look forward to the next time to be on with you and James Jackson, our extraordinary producer. He is, yeah. Big thanks to James for getting this podcast out to all of you. And again, a reminder, if you're just tuning into the podcast for the first time or you're somebody who's been going piecemeal and going and finding it, um, 
couple of things. We've we're up on YouTube now. The, when I was clicking on the YouTube links, they show up as a as a subset to the Sports Radio six ten website. So you can find our clips on YouTube. So that's that is uh well uh oh that James is thanking us in the chat. <laughs> My eyes uh blurry from looking at a computer. We won't point out he's a Phillies fan. We yeah no yep yeah, exactly okay. Maybe they have to retract those thank yous for James. Nah, we'll, I like James. We'll keep them. James, you get to keep your thank yous. Um, but, uh, yeah, the YouTube is up. Uh, John and I are tweeting out video clips of the podcast. So we're uh, we're going next level here, baby, not just audio anymore. Um, so we appreciate everybody tuning in on whatever platform it is that, uh, that you're listening to us on. Odyssey app is huge for that. You can search on the Utopia Football Podcast. It's H-O-Utopia, as you can see on the screen um, if you're watching us on YouTube uh, and uh, wherever you get your podcast, hit that subscribe button. It makes it a whole lot easier than searching us out and seeking us out each and every time. It makes it easy for you. Uh, for John McClain and our producer, James Jackson, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you next week as we pick it up once again uh, on the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.